the first Noel. Isn't that cute? Those shepherds didn't know what a sweet deal they were getting. They had it so easy. It was just like, hey, check out that star. Now follow it till you find a baby king, and then boom, Christmas is over. You're done. See you next year. Those guys didn't have to deal with anything like what we deal with to pull off Christmas. They didn't have to think about teacher gifts or white elephant parties or pesky little things like credit limits. There were no lights to hang, no trees to decorate, no cookies to bake. None of them had to find coordinating outfits for a family picture that match, but aren't like too matchy, you know? All they had to do was go find Jesus, and they had a star to show them the way. Christmas was so simple. The first Noel sounds like a cakewalk compared to this Noel. Can you imagine if someone tried to write a song about this Christmas? It would be like, an angel came to the folks fighting over a spot in the Target parking lot at 10 p.m. and saying, Merry Christmas, born is the king of retail shopping. And then there'd be a verse about throwing out your back while you pull 11 bins of Christmas stuff out of the garage. It wouldn't be a pretty song, but it would be pretty accurate. When did Christmas turn into this? this race for the finish line. It's like I start on full throttle the day after Thanksgiving and I keep running as fast as I can until we come to a screeching halt on Christmas Eve when my bank account is too empty and my belt is too tight and I can finally sit back in a chair at church and breathe a sigh of relief because by the grace of God, it's almost over. We made it to the final run. Right now at home, Santa Claus is poised and ready for attack and a honey-baked ham is waiting for the oven. Our celebration will last a few hours, and in a matter of days, I'll be sweeping Christmas out of my house along with a mountain of torn wrapping paper and broken ribbons and a pile of dead pine needles. The gifts will have been given. The feast will have been eaten. The food coma will be wearing off to the quiet that settles over a house filled with brand-new handheld electronics. That's when I will tie up Christmas with a neat little bow and shove it back in the garage until next year. I gotta admit, I do envy those shepherds. I envy the simplicity of the first Noel. I could really use an angel to appear out of nowhere and show me where to find Jesus in all of this. Show me the way, point out the star. I know the purpose of Christmas is to celebrate Jesus. I know he's somewhere here in this mess I've created. But sometimes I feel like maybe I'm running too fast to see him. Maybe my view of the newborn king has been obscured by so many boxes of Christmas junk. Maybe all these twinkly lights are only serving as a distraction from the one light I should be looking for. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong. To be honest, I'm a Christian, and I'm not even sure what Christmas should look like exactly. Let's pray together, please. Father in heaven, thank you for the fact that you brought us this holiday called Christmas. It's not about a holiday per se. It's not about all the stuff we get involved in necessarily. It's about your son. It's about Jesus and what you did for us through him. So, As we spend this time together tonight, would you bless us with understanding and with a heart that chases after you and pursues you and you alone? And would you lead us in your path through our Savior, Jesus Christ? Amen. Good evening, everybody. Nice to see you. Merry Christmas. 
Good. Y'all look marvelous, by the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Worked hard on that look. Yeah, come next Christmas, you'll see it again. Not till then. Uh, so in my Christmas uh, season, like right now, this last Tuesday, I had to go down to Sacramento. I, I got an invitation to go to KFIA, which is a Christian radio station in Sacramento. And they asked me to come down and do an interview about Lakeside Church and, you know, what's happening here and what is God doing among us and those kinds of things. And uh, so I went down there on Tuesday, did the interview, and it all went pretty well. And I got back in the car. I'm driving back to Folsom. I'm kind of feeling good about myself because I got to be on the radio. Like, kind of cool, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, that's pretty good. And so I'm in the car and driving back toward Folsom, and my wife, Donna, is with me. And we are low on gas. So we're driving along, and um, one of us, the one who shall not be named, (laughs) said, you know, maybe we ought to stop and get gas. To which the other one of us, who also shall not be named, said, no, we can make it. <laughs> we're driving out Highway 50. We come to the Folsom Boulevard exit. We're get, we get off the freeway. We're on the exit. We're kind of wrapping around the Folsom Auto Mall right there. You know, we're coming down the hill. And right about the time we reach that threshold, we're going to go like right into the intersection. Right about then, I felt my engine go quiet. <laughs> which is not bad if you drive a Prius. <laughs> which I don't drive. Sure enough, my car lost power, so I put it in neutral. We coast through the intersection. We barely make it across that little white line for the bicycles to see on the other side. We barely make it out there. We pull up next to the side of the road, and we're stopped, dead. No more gas. To which one of us said, guess we should have got gas. (laughs) It was not my fault. I know some of you are skeptical about this, but it was not my fault. See, in my car, I've got a little meter, a little gauge in there, and it, and it tells me exactly how many miles I've got left to go on that tank of gas. So I'm watching the meter and thinking, okay, sure, we're, I think we're going to make it. I th- we're pretty good because my meter said I've got 44 miles left. And then the engine died. And I said, I guess not exactly. You ever have not exactly in your life? Does your life ever come sort of short of not exactly? Does that ever happen to you? Oh, good. Hey, by the way, some of you are guests today. This is Lakeside Church, and we like interactive church. So if I ask a question and you want to answer it, by all means, jump in. Okay? If you talk too long, I'll cut you off. That's just honest how it's going to go, right? So, yeah, so sometimes our life comes up short of exactly, right? And so we have this phrase in our world, we go, not exactly. And I just have a question about that. When that jumps into your life, when that phrase comes into your life, and you go, not exactly, does not exactly mean you missed it by a bit? Or does not exactly mean you missed it by a mile? Okay, so here, yeah, not exactly. So here's the deal, right? So I think it goes like this. You have the standard, and then you have not exactly. Hey, Junior, we don't want to miss our curtain. I hope you've got Hertz number one club gold. Well, not exactly, but this company's fast. Oh, sure. Can't we skip the rental counter like it hurts? Well, not exactly. Hey, Genius, I'm waterlogged. Doesn't your company have a canopy like Hertz? Well, not exactly. Remember, there's Hertz and there's not exactly. Choose the right one. So you still think I'm the dummy? Not exactly. (laughs) 
Okay, so what you get from that is it really doesn't matter how far you miss it by. If you're not exactly and you miss it by a little, doesn't matter. If you're not exactly and you miss it by a lot, doesn't matter. You missed. And the problem is not exactly kind of comes into our lives a lot. A lot of times you look at your life and go, oh, it's not exactly. We've got this other phrase that we use in our culture. Uh, We kind of add to that phrase, not exactly. We go, it's not exactly rocket science. So you tell me, if something is not exactly rocket science, is it like close to rocket science? Not exactly. Thank you. Oh, so you're getting the hang of this, right? Is any rocket scientists here? Yeah, see, we have some right in the crowd, some very young one, young rocket scientists. That's good. So, yeah, ask a rocket scientist if what you're doing, that you know, oh, it's not exactly rocket science. You, you ask them if it measures up to real rocket science. Not exactly. That's kind of how it rolls in our life. And sometimes that lands on us and in our lives. When I look at my own life, sadly, I have a lot of not exactly in my life. And sometimes the not exactly comes by decisions that I make, choices that I make. Sometimes I bring pain to my wife. She doesn't laugh. And and what happens is my life is not exactly like I want it right then. And her life is not exactly how she wants it either right then. Has that ever happened to you guys? Three of you? Okay. Okay. When I suck the joy out of my children's life because I've become more of a critic than a father, my life becomes not exactly, and so does theirs. When at work I make a bad decision and it affects other people, my life is not exactly, and so is theirs. Sometimes not exactly lands on your life because somebody else makes a decision. When I forget to love my neighbors... And here at Lakeside, we believe that God has sovereignly put us, strategically put us in a group of neighbors. We call it an oikos, which is the Greek word for an extended household. We think God has put every one of us into a group of neighbors or family members or colleagues or whatever, this group of maybe 8 to 15 people, and he puts us in that. We don't really get a say in that. It's God's sovereignty at work in our life. You don't get to choose. How many of you got to choose the people that were moving in next door to you? I think the only way to do that is become the landlord for every house around you, right? Then you can do a survey. It's like, are you, know, are you compatible with my children and their dog? You know, whatever. You don't get to choose, but God chooses, and he says, look, I put you in this oikos or this circle of people or this community, and I want you to love and serve and care for them. And every time I come short of that, my life is not exactly, and so is my neighbor's. And sometimes it happens because of choices that I make. Sometimes it happens because of choices that other people make. And sometimes it's not because of some human choice at all. Sometimes you get a diagnosis of cancer, for example, in your family. And suddenly everything changed. And what might have been going pretty well up until that point suddenly becomes not exactly. Isn't that how it kind of goes for you? Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, good. So so we're we're on the same page, right? So, so, like, for example, when you went out to dinner last night, the, the service that, that that server gave you, was that exactly like what you wanted? Or when that cop pulled you over for speeding during the holiday season, was his attitude exactly what you wanted? Or let me ask this, was your attitude exactly what he wanted? When the person down the road from you at work is incompetent, you've got to pick up the slack. Is that exactly what you wanted? See, I think our life is full of not exactly. And you don't have to look very far in your world. You don't have to look very far in my world to find that kind of thing. And sometimes it's in our relationships with others. Sometimes 
It's in our relationship with ourself. Sometimes it's in our relationship with God. You just look at life and you go, wow, it's not exactly what I wanted. Even Christmas comes up not exactly for us sometimes. I mean, we fill up Christmas with all these shiny things. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the season, at the end of the run, we go, wow, that didn't really fill me up that much. It wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. There's a guy on Twitter who gets this. I don't, some of you are on Twitter, some of you aren't, some of you don't even want to talk about t- Twitter, so now our Christmas service is going to be not exactly what you were hoping for. But, you know, there are people that are on Twitter, right? And so you have to sign in for a name. You've got to pick a name when you go on Twitter, and some names are already picked, so you, people pick other names. So there's one guy that I found on Twitter. He picked for his handle, they call it. He picked not exactly. That's a guy who was either really, really humble or had really bad self-esteem, I guess. Not exactly. And, and if not exactly means you're falling short of a standard, there's a standard and there's not exactly, well, then you have to know what the standard is before you can ever measure up to that. Wouldn't that make sense? And so in every area of our lives, there are these standards that we try and measure up to. And sometimes it's our own standard we're trying to measure up to. Up to. Sometimes it's a societal standard we're trying to measure up to. Sometimes it's God's standard that we're trying to measure up to. You've got to know the standard before you can measure up to it. Like, let's put this, let's make this simple. Let's talk about elves. It's Christmas, right? So can we talk about elves for a minute? Sure, okay, good. So what's the standard of elf? Who? Oh, green. They wear, oh, yeah, they wear green tights. That what? Yeah. Anybody want to demonstrate that for us? Not so much. No, no I'm, not, I'm talking like a person who's a, who's a standard of elf. Like, for example, is Buddy the standard elf? No? Not exactly. Okay, so if not Buddy, how about, is Keebler the standard elf? Yeah, he's associated with cookies. What can be wrong with that, right? Or how about this? Is Legolas the standard elf? It's fascinating. Yeah, Legolas gets a lot of votes from the men and the women. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> there's a standard, and there's not exactly. And you have to know what the standard is before you can ever hope to measure up to it. And sometimes, even when we hope to measure up to it, we don't make it. I love the fact that the Bible is honest about this stuff. Some of you read the Bible and you go, oh, yeah, I get it. The Bible's honest about all this stuff in life. Some of you maybe aren't, aren't that familiar with the Bible. You don't read the Bible that often. That's okay. Um, but the Bible's really honest about all this kind of stuff in our life, right? There's one passage in the Scriptures. It's written by the Apostle Paul. It's in the, his letter to the Romans in chapter 3. And Paul says this, for, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, if you're not, you know, into church very much, and you just come at Christmas or something like that, you're like, wow, you guys still talk about sin, you know, at church? Because nobody else talks about it. That's true. Nobody else talks about it, except this. Sin literally means, by definition, it means to miss the mark of something. It means to miss the standard. It means there was a standard, and you came up with not exactly. We do still talk about sin. We just don't call it that. We just call it not exactly. And the Bible says all have sinned, all have not exactly in their life, and fall short of the glory of God. What's glory? Again, that's a theological word. We don't throw around very much in politics or, you know, those kind of things today. But what's glory? Glory means character. 
Glory means reputation. Glory means the standard of your life. So the Bible says all have sinned or all have not exactly and fallen short of the standard of God. That's how the Bible says it. You know what the Bible's doing? It's just acknowledging what we already find is true in our life. We all come up short of exactly. And we have to figure that out. Because God has this standard called exactly. And what are you going to do when you don't measure up to that standard? The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God or the standard of God. And then the, the same letter that the Apostle Paul wrote says in chapter 6, it says, And the wages of sin is death. In other words, sin kills everything it touches. Isn't that amazing? Not exactly kills everything it touches. That's why everything in this world dies. It's why everything in this world decays. Because sin kills everything it touches. It's no wonder that our world is full of not exactly. And the wonder of Christmas is that Christ is the gift of exactly. When you find Christ, when you come to Christ, you're coming to a gift that God says, this is exactly who I am. This is exactly what I want for you. Christ is the gift of exactly. I want to read another passage of scripture for you. It's found in Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can see this. But let me read a couple of verses from this chapter uh, of the Bible called Hebrews. It says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Three things from that passage. Three things. One, God in former days spoke to us through his prophets. Sometimes you look at the Bible, you go, oh, the prophets, those were the holy men. They were the really, really good ones. They were the ones who hit the target. They hit the standard. And yet, if you go back to the backstory of some of these prophets, you realize they were as messed up as we are. You got Jeremiah, who was an emotional wreck. You got Jonah, who was a runaway from God. You got Elijah, who was suicidal. You've got Elisha, who had a homicidal temper. And all the way down the line, these prophets, they were just human. But God spoke through these human beings, even though they were not exactly up to God's standard. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And the son is the radiance of God's glory. Radiance means unreflected, pure. Jesus is the unreflected character of God. He radiates God. It's sort of like the difference between the light of the sun and the light of the moon. Is, is that, the light of the sun is different than the light of the moon, right? Yeah, I know some of you are, te- you're into technicalities. You go, no, 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 it's the same light. One just comes from the sun, one's bounced off the moon. It's the same light. Okay, I, time out. I agree with that. That's true, but it looks different. You cannot look at the sun, but you can look at the moon all night long. Romantics and poets do it all the time. It's because the light from the moon is diffused. It's scattered. Because the surface of the moon is covered with craters and pockmarks. When you look at Jesus, you are looking at God exactly. God unfiltered. You can still see God's character through human beings around you because God made us in his image. The problem is our lives are full of craters and pockmarks. Because we are not exactly up to God's standard. And so when the light of God shines up off, off of us, it shines like it's coming off the moon. 
and it's, dis- it's diffused and dispersed, and it's not exactly like looking at Christ. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Would you like to see God? I mean, isn't that why we came to church? I mean, and we come to church just to go, hey, I want to see God. I want to get connected to God. That's why we're here, right? If you want to see God, the Bible would say, then look to Jesus because he is the exact representation of God's being. So when Jesus was born there in Bethlehem, when Jesus came into this world as a baby, he was just like God. And when Jesus was worshipped by wise men and shepherds, he was just like God. And when Jesus welcomed children into his life, he was just like God. And when Jesus washed dirty feet with water, he was just like God. And when he walked on water, he was just like God. And when he forgave sin, he was just like God. When Jesus fed the hungry, he was just like God. When he ate with tax collectors, he was just like God. And when he ate with Pharisees, he was just like God. When Jesus partied, he was just like God. And when he was criticized for partying, he was also just like God. When Jesus turned water into wine, he was just like God. And when that wine was really, really good, he was just being God. And when he was run out of the city in Nazareth, he was just like God. When he sweat drops of blood for us, he was just like God. When he was deserted by his disciples and abandoned by his family and mocked by authorities, he was just like God. And when he died on a cross, because life in this world comes up not exactly... He was just like God. And when he rose from the grave, he was just like God. And when he invites us into his life, when he invites us into his world, when he invites us into his grace and forgiveness, he is just like God. See, the gift of Christmas is that Christ is God exactly. And when Jesus came, he offered us an unobstructed view of God. Because Jesus Christ is God exactly. For years, I longed for an unobstructed view of God. Not so that I could know what he looked like or to prove to myself that he was real. Deep down, I always believed he was. No, I longed to have a clear view of God because I knew if I could see him, he would be easier to follow. My name is Brittany Kraft, and this is my story. I didn't intend to walk away from my faith. I don't think many of us do. But one day, there I was, far away from a relationship with God that I once held so close. I had lost sight of God. But it wasn't because he had left me, but because I had stopped pursuing him. And at this point, I had more questions than answers about what I believed. The further I got from God, the more I longed for a clear definition of who I was. It wasn't until one day, when I was going through a box in my garage, that I stumbled across my Bible. It was on the bottom of the box, along with other things that used to be so important to me. But much like my faith, I felt like I no longer needed. 
Holding it in my hands, I could feel the weight of what was inside, and I was hesitant to open it. I felt so much shame for abandoning my faith that I didn't understand how God could ever forgive me. Christmas is all about the journey. Mary and Joseph were on a journey to Bethlehem when Jesus was born in a stable. Even the wise men traveled a great distance following a star just to meet the little king. And last year, on Christmas Eve, my journey was a bike ride. I saw that Lakeside had one more service at 11 o'clock, and if I left right now, I would just make it. For years, I cluttered my life with a bunch of shiny things that competed for his attention. But on that night, with the cold air hitting my face, all I could think about was how much I wanted to be close to God again. I rounded the corner, and I'll never forget seeing the lights of the church shining through the darkness. God showed me that I was exactly where he wanted me to be. That night, I heard the story of Jesus and once again saw him clearly. In that moment, even though I had drifted off course over several years of my life, I knew the decision to turn back to God could happen in an instant. My journey to find faith in Jesus Christ was much like my bike ride. In the beginning, I had fresh legs, and I was excited about what was ahead of me. But the further I went, the more difficult the journey became. And eventually, I needed to stop, get off my bike, and make sure this was really the road I wanted to be on. God had showed me that night that it didn't matter where I had been. All that mattered is that I came back and renewed my faith in Him. I had set out on a journey looking for a clear view of God. And last Christmas Eve, when I saw Jesus, I saw God. Exactly. I think one of the challenges of living life not exactly up to God's standard is it's exhausting. You strive and strive and strive to get where you think you're going to be, and the challenge is you still come up not exactly. There's a lot of us in the room together tonight who have come to a place in our life where we said, well, I'm not exactly. I'm not up to God's standard exactly, and so I need someone. I need something. And we've come to the place where we said, Jesus, you're the one. You're the one that I need. And we've turned our life over to Jesus, the Savior, and said, you take my life and you make it exactly what you want it to be. There's some of us in the room who had started out with Jesus and then kind of got off the path like Brittany did. And at some point, she came to the place where she said, Jesus, I, I need to come back to you. I need you exactly. And she did. And some of you need to take that journey tonight, I think. 
And there are probably some of us in the room who never really have been connected to God, never have been close to God, never grew up in church, never really knew what it was all about. But you have this nagging thing in your heart where you go, I'm not exactly where God wants me. I just want to give you an invitation to say, you know, Christmas 2013 would be the perfect opportunity to turn your life over to Jesus and say, I give you my life in everything I have. It's not exactly what you wanted. It's not exactly what I wanted, but it's yours, Lord, and I give it to you. To be able to do that, we encourage people here at Lakeside to walk through what we call the ABCs of faith. And you can just tell Jesus this right where you are. We're going to pray in a moment, and you can just pray and tell Jesus this right where you are. Something like the ABCs of faith, where A means I admit that my life is not exactly up to God's standard, or I admit that I've sinned and I need a Savior. B is I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior whom God has sent. And C, I choose to follow Jesus by faith. I admit that I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Savior, and I choose to follow him by faith. And wherever you are, wherever you came from, whatever relationship you have with God or have not had with God, when you come to that point in your life and you say, Jesus, this is my time. This is my opportunity to give my life to you. And you walk through those ABCs of faith with him, he promises to say yes to you. It's part of the beauty of Christ. He won't change everything to be perfect tomorrow. If you decide to follow him by faith, it won't become perfect tomorrow. But it will be in his blessing. It will be under his gift of faith. He will look at your life, and though you don't feel it, he will declare about you, you are now with God exactly. That's what he wants for us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us like you do. You are an amazing God. You're perfect in every way, in every beautiful thing, you're perfect. So thank you for that. Lord, there are a lot of people in the room who are celebrating Christmas because they are Christ's followers. They love you. They love serving you. They love living for you. And so thank you for them. It's a celebration this season, so thank you for them. Lord, there are some who have been with you and then walked away and want to come back, and there are some that have never been close to you, and they want to come to you. And they just want to walk through those ABCs and give their heart to you by faith through Jesus. And so when they walk through those today, even right now, would you say yes to them? Would you give them them the exactly that comes, the righteousness that comes, the life that comes from trusting and following Jesus? Father, we ask for this in the name of Jesus, our good Savior, our wonderful King. Amen.